the English language uh, changes over time. And so you have new words that we've added to our vocabulary in the last couple years or last decade, or you have old words that take on new meaning. And so I, I wrote down some of the new words, some of the new phrases uh, that we as, as a people are using in the last decade. See if you recognize some of them. So you've got hashtag, you've got climate change, you've got hipster, emoji, or FOMO which stands for fear of missing out. And I just want to assure you, everyone's at home. No one's doing anything. No one's missing out on anything right now. You've got binge watching, where you watch three or four shows in one setting. You've got dabbing, ghosting, meme. And then the word twerking, which was interesting for me to explain to my parents what that was. And so at one point in time, I just kind of I kind of showed them. And I'm just going to let that image sear in your mind a little bit. Sorry about that. You've got selfie You've got bromance, shout out to my buddy Bill, nothing burger, swipe left, swipe right, cougar, and lit. As in, oh my goodness, did you see Deneen is lit? She's had seven vodka and cokes. It means drunk, but it's also transitioned. Now you could say about an event, oh, everybody at the party or at the event was lit, and it means having fun. And so even, even that phrase has transitioned twice in this last decade. Uh, you've got troll, secret sauce, me time, swag. Fam, bougie, glamping, shout out to my, my son Josh and his wife Brenna, adulting, and, and then you have uh, the, the, the phrase that you, it doesn't mean what you think it means. Watching Netflix and chilling does not mean what you think it means at face value. But I want to talk to you about the word of the week, the word of the month, the word that will be remembered this year more than any other phrase or word, and, and it's the phrase social distancing. Oh my goodness, great. I had never even, I never even heard of that phrase until this past week. In the county that I'm living in, in California, I know many of you are watching from around the country and around the world, uh, we've taken it to the next level, and we are now talking about shelter in place, which is extreme social distancing. If you joined us last week, we started a brand new series that, that speaks to what is happening in our country and in our world. And we're talking about what, what do we do, how do we live, how do we respond when our world gets turned upside down? So last week we talked about responding maturely to COVID-19 and wisely. Next week, you don't, you don't want to miss next week. We're, ta- we're, we're talking about uh, what do we do with pandemic-sized problems, uh, whether they're a virus or whether they're finances or family, what do we do? This morning, though, I want to I talk to you about that phrase that, that is going to be the, the word of the year, social distancing. I want to talk to you about what, is, what does God think about social distancing? What is the Bible think about and say about social distancing. I hope you know that nothing catches God, nothing catches his word by surprise. Uh, I, I think you're going to be interested to know that this book has quite a bit to say about social distancing as a, as a way of life. That's what we're going to be talking about. There's a couple principles I want to talk to you about uh, as we're thinking this principle through. Here's the first one. First of all is that social distancing is actually encouraged in Scripture in certain situations. So, for example, social distancing is encouraged when you're angry. So you have Proverbs chapter 12, verse 16, that talks about uh, it's foolish to show your anger at once. Proverbs 29, 11 speaks of you, you don't want to vent, you don't want to show your anger all at once. You want to hold it back. And so, actually, what, what Scripture says is, is when you're ticked off at your, at your boss, at your coworker, at your spouse, at your kids, at your friends, at your pastor, at your neighbor... What you want to do is you want to socially distance yourself, catch your breath, think through what you want to say, and then speak. It's kind of interesting. Also, social distancing is encouraged 
when you're tempted. So you've got this story in Genesis chapter 39. It's the story about this young, good-looking Jewish guy by the name of Joseph. He's working for an Egyptian boss. And, and the Egyptian boss has a wife, and this wife has the hots for Joseph. And she wants to roll in the sack with him. And, and it'd be easy for him to sleep with her. No one would know. And, and yet Joseph decides it's more important to honor his boss or honor his God than, than have a fling with this woman. And, and you know what he does? He socially distances himself from temptation. So watch, this book tells us that every one of us has a temptation. Whether it's this story, Genesis 39, sexuality, or it's money, or it's what you're looking at on the internet, or, or it has something to do with drugs and alcohol. Whatever it is, whatever your temptation is, did you realize the Bible says the action step for you is not to, not to play it tough, not to stare it down, not to flirt with it? The, the, the tactic is social distancing. Get away from that temptation. Get away from that. Social distancing is also encouraged. Now, this is in a positive way. It, it's encouraged when, when, we're, when we're supposed to spend time with God. I, I could have given you a dozen, dozen verses and references, but I've given you two that, that speak of Jesus. And I'm, if Jesus found it important to socially distance himself from folks, how much more should we? Luke chapter 5, it says that Jesus went to a lonely and a desolate place to pray. Matthew chapter 14 says that Jesus went to a mountain, it says this, to be alone with God. Do you realize why some of us can't hear God? Do you want to know what what the answer is? We have not socially distanced ourselves from people, from from our phones, from our laptops, from the noise that is the world that we live in. You know, one of the things that you need to know about Christendom, the history of Christianity, is that we, we pastors and, and, and have talked about for years this idea of spiritual disciplines. It, spiritual disciplines is the equivalent of, of exercise equipment at the gym. You have all these different pieces of equipment, all of these different weight, weight uh, equipment and exercise equipment. And if you want to have a full workout, you want to go to different, different pieces of equipment, different exercises. And the same is true of your walk with Christ. You, so there's different exercises or spiritual disciplines. It's like praying. So it's like reading the Bible, so it's like worship, giving, serving. You want to know what one of them is? It's called solitude. It's getting alone and getting quiet with God. Oh my goodness gracious. Maybe, maybe we should lean into what our local governments and our federal governments are, are mandating or suggesting to us, which is stay home, stay away from folks so we don't potentially spread the virus. We should lean into it and spend some alone time with God. What do you think? The last one that I want to show you is really the emphasis in Scripture. Social distancing is encouraged from certain people. Let me read these verses to you. So here's what we read in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 26. It says that the righteous choose their friends carefully. Did you know that sociologists say that uh, you and I will eventually uh, talk like, think like, and do many of the same things that our five closest friends do? That's why this verse in the writer of Proverbs says you've got to choose your friends so carefully. 1 Corinthians 15, 33, bad company corrupts good character. Um, I, I'm not an individual who is, who is, is, is cussed over my life. That's, just, that's not my deal. I got other issues. That's not normally mine. But you want to know there was one season in my life that, that I found my say, myself saying words that I, I wouldn't normally. And it, I, I was on this soccer team. It was a pretty high-level team, and I loved the guys we were playing with, and we were doing well. But most of the, my teammates, they all cussed. You want to know what happened over time? I found myself saying words that I otherwise would have never said. And now let's just reflect on this verse. 
bad company has the potential to corrupt good character. Let's not be naive. Let's be honest about ourselves, which leaves kind of to the last point. Proverbs 13, 20, walk with the wise and become wise. But then it says, associate with fools, you're going to get in trouble. So the writer of Proverbs, again, would say, you know what? Social distancing sometimes is encouraged. So I want you to think about it. I, I understand why we're doing it medically. I really do. I understand that they don't want us to get in groups so we don't rub shoulders with someone who may have the virus or we may have the virus and not knowingly share it with someone. And so we stop the spread uh, of the virus. But, but I'm, I'm trying to give, it, give you this idea of social distancing from a spiritual standpoint, from an integrity standpoint. So just remember, it's encouraged when you're angry. It's encouraged when it comes to temptation. Social distancing is encouraged to spend alone time with God. And social distancing is encouraged when it comes to certain people that may influence us and drag us in the wrong direction. Now, flip side of the coin, principle number two. Social distancing is discouraged in certain cases. Let me show you what the writer of Ecclesiastes says. He says, two people are better than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. Now, this next phrase speaks about social distancing. Watch. When someone who falls is alone, they've socially distanced themselves from other people. They don't have connection points with others. When someone who falls is alone, they're in real trouble. They're in real trouble. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Have you noticed, you know, it, 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 where I live in California, we've got earthquakes. Uh, at certain other places, they, they've got tornadoes. But it's interesting, hurricanes is normally the East Coast, normally the Carolinas and Florida, and we watch on the news when there's, when there's a hurricane. Have you noticed that that hurricane can pick up a house and toss it two miles down the road? But when the reporter is, is speaking about what's coming in the hurricane, have you noticed that these hurricanes can destroy communities and destroy homes, but many times the palm trees remain standing? Have you noticed that? The question is Why? You know, there's actually an answer for that. The answer is this. The, the palm trees, they, they stand, but they, they don't have a deep root system, but they have a, a root system that spreads out and it interconnects with other palm trees. So the palm tree remains upright, not because of their own strength. They remain upright because of their collective strength. Guys, that's what Ecclesiastes is talking about. As the storms of life batter down on you, you and I individually don't always have the ability to stand tall and remain upright, but collectively, in community, we do. You see, right from the very beginning, God, right in the first couple pages of the Bible, he says it's not good for man to be alone. Now, the context is he talks about marriage very quickly, but it's more than that. It really is. It's this idea about who God created you to be and how he created you to live. He created you to live in community. He, he created us to work towards togetherness. He created us to intentionally develop healthy friendships. I want you to think this through. I've shared this with some of you before. I want to talk to you about the levels of friendship, and I want you to think about whether you have people in each category and or how many. Let me show you. There's various levels of friendship. So you have the acquaintance level, friends of location. These are people that live in the same block or neighborhood as you. You have casual friends, friends of activity. So both of your kids play on the same volleyball team or baseball team. Then you have good friends, friends of affinity. 
These are people you golf with or people you work with and you rub shoulders with, with quite a bit and you do things with them because they like the same things that you like or you work at the same place that they work. Then you have close friends. These are friends of personal information. These are friends that you, you maybe celebrate birthdays with each other. Maybe, maybe you might go on vacation with them or spend an off day with them. They're friends of personal information. They know what's going on with, with you and vice versa. But then there's, there's deep friends, and each level, of course, increases in, in effectiveness and health. Deep friends, friends of personal feelings. So, so I would describe these folks as, the, these are folks and friends that have front door privileges. Do you, you know these people? These are, these are friends. They, they knock on your door, but they don't wait for you to answer. They, they knock and they walk in. Do you have friends like that? Right? There's other people, they knock and they wait. No, Friends that, that are at this level, close and deep, they, they have front door privileges. They have refriger, refrigerator privileges. They don't ask for a drink. They just go to your refrigerator and grab a drink. But it, it goes beyond front door privilege and refrigerator privileges. People that are close to you and deep when it comes to friendships are, are people that you're vulnerable with. You, you share your struggles and your screw-ups with them. Question, do you have a handful of those people? Because you see, uh, healthy living includes people at every level. It includes groups at every level. Why? Because God has created you to live in community. I guess the question then becomes, how are we doing? There's a book (coughs) written called Bowling Alone. It was published by Harvard Business uh, Group. And they tend to indicate that uh, maybe we're not doing as well as we think. Let me show you. Here are some statistics. Playing cards with friends is down 21%. Evening with neighbors is down 33%. Family dinners is down 34%. Having friends over uh, just to hang out and do whatever is down 45%. The average American has only two close friends, and this last category is concerning. 25% of Americans have no one to confide in. So, so now let me just be, be real clear when it comes to social distancing. I want you to put it up here and maybe grab it and put it on your phone. Social distancing is healthy, and it's the right thing to do during this virus season. It, it took some of us and a group of us maybe, I, as I talked to some, a, a while to understand what was happening and why is it happening and why do we have to do this social distancing, and we're doing it to try and reduce the spread of the virus. And so finally we got it, right? We get it. It's the right thing to do. It's the healthy thing to do during this virus season. However, this is very important. Social distancing is the unhealthy and wrong thing to do when life goes back to normal. Do you realize that medical, uh, uh, military experts and sociologists tell us that still to this day, one of the worst forms of torture is solitary confinement? You want to know why? Um, because you were, you were created to live in community. You were r- created to connect to other people. So I want to encourage you, a month from now or three months from now or four months, whenever this ends, some of us have not connected relationally the way we need to, to be healthy emotionally and spiritually and relationally. Now, just one little other detail that I want to share with you. Let me show you. Let's put it up here. I want to make sure you understand social distancing does not have to mean spiritual distancing. You know, one of, the, one of the bummers these last couple of weeks is I don't get to interact with you uh, if, you're, if Bay Hills is your home. I enjoy seeing you and high five and fist pump and a hug and how you doing. Let's go golf this next week. I enjoy, I enjoy the people that I get to 
to minister to and interact with. It's, it's part of the fun, fun part of my job. I love that, and I miss that. And, and I miss that we don't have men's basketball, and I miss that we don't have women's events, and I miss that we don't have youth group. And we, we're, we're in this period in this time of social distancing, but please hear me. That does not have to mean spiritual distancing. I, I want you to get creative to connect with other people from a spiritual standpoint. I, I had folks t- text me this past week, hey, we're, we're, we're having our small group on, on Zoom, right? If you don't know what Zoom is, that's another one of those words that is new in this last decade, right? I, I want to encourage you, don't wait for your pastor or your church, wherever you're watching this, to organize for you. Could I give you a homework assignment? When, when we're done with this message, here's what I want you to do. Ten people. I want you to contact ten people. I want you to text them, and better yet, I want you to call them and say, how you doing? Can I pray for you? Is there anything I can do to help you? Th- that's staying spiritually connected. Let's go out of our way. This needs to happen organizationally, but it also has to happen organically. So let's go about the business of spiritually and socially connecting. Thank goodness we can do it through the phone and through Skype and through FaceTime and whatever we got to do. Let's make sure we stay connected. Now, so- social distancing sometimes is encouraged. Sometimes it's discouraged, but this last point is the most important one. It's the one that, that just when you think about it, it blows your mind. And here's what I'm talking about. Social distancing is the opposite of what God did. So I, I kind of been breaking it down for you because this is a theological concept you have to understand. Listen, God's holiness, that means he's perfect. That means he's pure. God's holiness meant, some theologians would say, required he needed to stay away from you and from me because we're sinful. That's what holiness means. They stay as far away as they possibly can. You see, that's what's going on when Jesus on the cross says to God the Father, why have you forsaken me? It's this point of holiness. God had to socially distance himself even from his very son because all of the garbage and all of my sin was dumped on him. And God socially distanced himself at that moment. He could have done that. God is under no obligation to re-engage with us relationally. However, While his holiness means that he wanted to stay away from us or needed to stay away from us, God's grace meant that he decided to reach out to us. I don't know if you guys have watched that. I was looking on Netflix just the other night. The most popular movie, the third most popular movie uh, is Outbreak, and I think the fourth is Contagion. It's kind of weird to me that some people, you know, consumed by the virus, and then we're going home on Netflix and watching movies about viruses. Uh, But I, I thought of the movie Poseidon Adventure. It, it's, it's been remade several times. It's the story of this cruise ship, this luxury ocean liner. And they're celebrating. I think it's, it's New Year's Eve, and they're all celebrating. And all of a sudden, this wave, this tidal wave, knocks the side of the ship, and the ship turns literally upside down. And, of course, there's mass pandemonium, and there's chaos. There's a little bit of bubble of air on the inside, and so everybody f- tries to kind of catch their breath. And now they're standing on the ceiling and all that kind of stuff. And, of course, they're all trying to save themselves. They all want to save themselves, but it's only one small group of 10, 12 people that actually end up being saved. You don't want to know why? They do what's counterintuitive. They do the opposite of what everyone's doing. What they do is they climb upwards to the bottom of the ship, because now the bottom of the ship is at the surface of the water. They do what's opposite, what's counterintuitive. Folks, that's exactly what Jesus did. He did the opposite of what his holiness meant or required him to do. I I don't know where we came up with this idea that God owed us a second chance, that we deserve a second chance. That's nowhere in this book. 
In fact, it says quite the opposite. He didn't give the angels a second chance. So I, I don't know where we come off thinking he, he owes that to us. He doesn't owe that to us at all. That's why it's called grace. It's undeserved. Let me show you in Romans how Paul explains that. He says, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. So now watch, everything that's in green speaks of his holiness. It speaks of God socially distancing himself from us. We were God's enemies, which meant that he was displeased with us and his wrath was shown. And that was because we were still sinners. And yet what is in red came about. He loved us enough to save us. Loved us enough to save us. You know, it's interesting when you look at Jesus. Because during the times of Jesus, the super spiritual people, you want to know what they did? They socially distanced themselves from those people. The not so good people. The not so pure people. They don't go to church that much people. They don't obey the God that much people. They got issues, people. All the spiritual individuals socially distanced themselves. Not Jesus. Jesus engaged with them. Jesus told his disciples and he tells his followers today, engage with them. Show them that there's a, there's a better way to live. God does three things for us. Opposite. He redeems us. That's the idea that he pays the price for sin. Last week we talked about the sin virus, and there's a, there's a penalty to be paid for that, and that, that penalty was paid by Jesus Christ on the cross for you and for me. We're also told that, that he justified us. As the judge of the universe, he declares us not guilty. Oh, oh no, there's things we've done. But he declares us not guilty because we are represented by his son, Jesus. But finally, he doesn't just leave us there. It's not just about what happens on the other side of death and eternity. He also empowers us. He, he empowers us to live courageously and to live righteously and to live with integrity. He empowers us so that when our world turns upside down, we can withstand the pressure of life. I, I want to end by, by sharing with you an illustration. I've got um, two cans of Pepsi here, and I want, I want you to assume that they represent two individuals. Two individuals that, that are pretty much going through the same thing in life, going through the same pressures in life, going through the same problems in life, whatever they may be. Now, this individual right here, when, when life grabs a hold of them and they go through a, a crisis situation like we're going through now in our country and globally, and, and life starts to squeeze in upon them. Maybe it could be finances. Maybe it could be family. Maybe it could be marriage issues. Maybe it could be whatever. But when it's done, they, they end up crushed. Life crushes them under the pressure of the problem. But then you have this other individual who's also experiencing the same problem, the same pressure, the same crisis, the same pandemic, the same issues, whatever it is, right? They're the same person made out of the same material. But now when life comes upon them, and I'm squeezing, believe me, you, I'm squeezing as hard as I can, same pressure made out of the same material, but I cannot squeeze. Of course, you know why. This can, this can was empty, but this, this can is still full. Could I tell you something super important about life? How you end up is not best based upon your personal strength. How you end up is based upon what's inside of you, based upon whether you're filled with the power of God. 
when life hits you hard, when life turns upside down, when the pressures of life come, could I ask you a question, be honest? How do you end up? Which, which person, which can best represents how you react and respond to crisis? You know, God's word says there's two ways. Two ways to be empowered by God. Number one, you accept Jesus as Savior. Number two, you obey Jesus as Lord. That's it. You accept Jesus as Savior. You confess your sin. You believe he died for you on the cross, and you say yes to Jesus. That's it. That's the first and the most important step. But step number two, because many of you watching have already done that, and yet some of you are ending up like this. It's because you haven't done step number two. Yes, you've accepted Jesus as Savior, but now you have to obey Jesus as Lord. Paul says in Ephesians, he says in Ephesians that every time we obey him, we are filled with God, the Holy Spirit. We are empowered so that when life crushes in on us, pressures in on us, we remain stable, we remain strong. I hope this morning or this, this message has been helpful to you. Um, I want to let you know that as your pastor and our staff and our church leadership is praying for you, we want to help you in any way we can. Uh, my job is to speak to you just about the, the biblical and spiritual angle about what we're going through. And this social distancing, I hope you've seen, is something that is in Scripture, something that is encouraged at times, something that is discouraged at times. But most importantly, I want you to rest in this idea that God did exactly the opposite when it came to social distancing. He did everything he could to re-engage with you. And I want to encourage you to lean into that. Let's pray, and then we'll have a little time of worship. Heavenly Father, we're so incredibly grateful for who you are. We're grateful for in the midst of this time that is difficult and challenging, and we feel like our life is turned upside down. Father, I pray that you would give us peace, that you would calm us, that you would give us your mind and your spirit. Father, as, we, as we've thought about this idea of social distancing, help us think through what are some things we need to stay away from. Temptation and maybe certain people or certain situations. Father, I pray that you would, you would speak to some of us because some of us have not been socially engaged. We've been staying away and we realize that how you created us, you created us for community. But as we end our time of study this, today, we want to thank you for taking the step to engage us socially when you were under no requirement to do that. Father, for those that are listening even right now, if they've not said yes to you, Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to them of the truth that is Jesus, and they would take that step to embrace him as Savior. And Father, for the many that have already done that, remind us that obeying you also means the promise of being filled by your Spirit, being filled by the strength of God. Father, continue to work in our leaders. Be with them as they're making decisions for the health of our nation. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.